Good morning. Welcome to Community Church. We're glad to have you. You are royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart to the Lord for His service. Your faith matters. Your praise matters. Your prayers matter. Your service matters. Your obedience matters. We're not here to observe rituals that honor the past. We're here because a living God is engaging with real people alive now and living faith. This is who you are because this is who He is. Don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? So Holy Spirit, right now we acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus stepped out of the way and said, it's better for you that I go because He's coming. And He will guide you into all truth. So Holy Spirit, we agree that Jesus was right, that you are necessary for our lives. And we yield to you this morning. We yield our lives, our attention, our affection. We yield our good and our bad to you this morning. We yield our successes and our failures. We yield everything that's going on in our world right now. We yield all the circumstances. And we say that you are God. You are God in us, God around us, God with us, God for us. We can do everything through you. We are set apart by you, anointed by you. And we welcome you to move in the room. We welcome you to move in our lives. We welcome you to move through this new year. We welcome you to use us to do all that you desire. We trust you. We trust you to lead well. We trust you to lead well with our own life. We trust you to lead well in every circumstance we're in right now. Our eyes are on you. Say it with me right now. Holy Spirit, I am yours. Holy Spirit, I am yours. Let's worship the Lord. Bless Jim as he comes to deliver what, what you've put on his heart. Amen. So who thought that was pretty weird? And you know, uh, stuff that's pretty weird that's out of our normal kind of functional way of doing things, how do we know if it's any good? How, how, how do we know if that was just Cam being weird? Or whether or not, I mean, does God actually care if people from this section move over to people from this section and people from this section move? Like, is that a thing that he would care about? Is that a thing in the Bible? Well, this is an interesting thing, because what if I said it is? And then you might think, where? Where is that in the Bible? Right, that's that's kind of, that's goofy. Where is that? I could show you all sorts of things in the Bible that would be kind of like that. How about a group of people who had to walk all the way around a city in complete silence? Like a million of them had to walk around a city. Now, the cities weren't that big compared to what we think of as a city. So, you know, walk around the city it, it, it's smaller, but it probably took, you know, a couple hours in complete silence. Everybody, shh. 
And then the next day, let's do it again. And then the next day, let's do it again. By then, how many of them were saying, I'll just stay in my tent, thanks. I'll just, you know, I'll just kind of hang out. You guys can go do that. Nope. Everybody, get going. Get going. Round. Six days. On the seventh day, oh, we're going around and around and around. <laughs> and to walk around the city seven times. And if it took two hours at a time, that's like 14 hours of walking around in silence. Oh, and then, and then we're all going to blow trumpets and scream. That's effective. And then the walls fell down. And they took over the city. How about Gideon? Good grief. We've got this big army to fight. Let's get all the people together. Nope, let's send them all home. What? Yep, too many. Only want a couple hundred here. So we're going to get these 300 people. Okay, okay. 300 people, okay, good. But I, I, they're all trained warriors, right? Well, actually, it doesn't matter because they're not going to get to do that because actually their hands are going to be full. What's that? Yeah, their hands are going to be full. They're going to be holding a torch in one hand. Uh-huh. And it's got a pot over it, so you can't see it. They're going to be holding a trumpet in the other hand. Okay. And then they're going to surround the big enemy camp with all of the warriors with their swords and their crossbows and their whatever all else, right? And we're going to surround them in the dark. Good. At least they can't see us. Well, you know, until you take the cover off the torch. Oh, and blow your trumpet so that they clearly you're there. So hold your torch and blow your trumpet with all of those warriors out there. That'll work. That'll be really cool. And then it did. Because God moved in the midst of their obedience, didn't he? You know, yeah, Jehoshaphat. Yeah, I don't like that one so much because I play the guitar. (laughs) With Jehoshaphat, it was, okay, yeah, you're severely outnumbered. You're going to lose bad. So let's put all the worshipers at the front. Let's send them out. I think most of you would like that idea. (laughs) Get them shot. I don't know. Except it worked. You know what? Did you catch that, though? I'm talking about this, and somebody yells out. Somebody was scaling. Yells out, what about Jehoshaphat? Well, why did she know that? How many of you know the story of Jehoshaphat? There's, there's a few hands, but there's not that many hands. Hmm. Well, that's okay. Because uh, I, I just want to set a scene here for a minute. We know that in Romans, Hebrews, Corinthians... Uh, well, actually, let me look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 12 to 20. Okay? And I think I copied this in from the NLT. If not, it's the NKJ. But I think, anyway. Okay. So, I I, want to set the scene here. In the Bible, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. And a body is made up of parts, organs, but at the smaller level, cells. Right? Right? 
And we know that. And we know that each cell in the body now, many years ago, back in the days of Darwin, etc., they thought a cell was a very simple thing and that, you know, you could just make anything out of cells and they would work. And now today we know that cells are incredibly complicated little factories, each one very specialized and purpose-built, right? But we know that the church is the body of Christ. And I want to submit to you that a local church body like this one is like a cell, in the body. And so it has a very specialized purpose. It's an entire factory. It's critical to perform its function, but its function isn't the same as all the other cells functions either. Okay, so not every church is supposed to have a morning service quite like this one. Not every church is supposed to do all of the same things because we are in fact cells in a body. And after all, cells can't really criticize each other for their function. Right? So let's look at this in Corinthians for a second. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. I, want, I wanted to set the scene with that this morning to say we know that we have a particular, in fact, the Bible says Christians are to be a peculiar people. Most of you seem to have that down, okay? Um, and so we are, most of me seem to have that down, okay, fine. Um, but we are, we are a part of the body, but Spruce Grove Community Church has a particular kind of DNA in its cells. And I, and I just wanted to set the scene here. This is actually not what we're talking about today, but, but it's a platform for what we're talking about, okay? So our DNA has, we, we, we've, we've sought the Lord on this for years and years and years. It has three significant parts to it. And they are right there on the wall. Look at that. Worship, intercession, and the prophetic are things that God has called this local cell of the body too. And the question is, how can we be equipped and prepared to function in those things really well? And I'm going to tell you there's a foundational, a foundational thing that matters in all three of those areas. What is worship? Well, there's lots of definitions to that, but fundamentally... It's making declarations about who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he's going to do, what he does. It's about his character and who he is. Let, for fun, let's have uh, some, somebody shout out some names of God. Give me a, a, a name of God. Jehovah Jireh. Jeho- what? Yahweh. Yahweh. Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Our healer. Our what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel God with us. There's so many names that God has, and as we worship and we call out those attributes of who he is, it reminds us of who he is and allows us to actually even understand our position 
under and in him, right? But you can't really do that if you don't know those things, right? There's, a, there's this critical thing about, you know, somebody being able to stand there and, and, and extol the character of God and, and, and spend time just, uh, you know, concentrating on each of these attributes that God has. Wow, it's amazing. It's actually exciting when you hear somebody who, who, who is trained in that just go with it and flow with it. It's amazing how many of you love listening to, you know, one of the Jespersons pray, you know, Nathan or, or um, uh, it, not Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Bernice. And I said, no. And Derek, we love Derek too. See, that's, uh, never mind, family. Okay. Um. How do they know those attributes of God? Where, 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 does that, where does that come from? Worship is also deferring our own will to God's as a lifestyle. Your whole life is to be worshipped to God. Every time we are subjecting our will to his will, that's an act of worship to God. We turn to him first. That's an act of worship. But we do have to hear his will. We have to know his will. Worship is also emulating, right? Like you see a little kid, you know, playing hockey, and they're McDavid, you know? And they're, Connor McDavid comes down the side, and he shoots, he scores! <laughs> right? Kids playing, in, they're trying to emulate their heroes, and that's, we call that hero worship. There's a, there's a part of worship that's emulating. But, of course, you have no idea you know, a kid who's bouncing a basketball and throwing it and claiming to be Connor McDavid is kind of, that's just funny. Um, so to really emulate someone, you have to know them, right? Kind of got to know them. Well, what about intercession? So what is intercession? Intercession, the word means going between. Okay, so intercession is sort of what an, uh, a lawyer does, you know, between the person and the, and the judge, that kind of thing. That's, that's an intercession. We call that standing in the gap. Uh, but it's also bringing perspectives back and forth is intercession. Um, intercession is declaring God's will into the earth. Do you know that God gave dominion of the earth to humanity, gave it to Adam, and Adam sort of ceded that to seceded that to the enemy. But Jesus got the keys back, right? That's in the Bible, by the way. And so on that basis, who has dominion over the earth today? Well, we do. Now, if I give one of my staff at work a delegated responsibility, if I say to, to, to one of my staff, listen, you are now responsible for payroll, you take care of that. You make sure that everybody is paid appropriately and on time. That's your responsibility, right? What would happen if I went in there and started messing with it? Would that, would that mess it up pretty good? That would, that would actually break the order of things, and it would make me a little bit almost dishonest. I gave you that responsibility, and now I'm meddling in it. Would that be right? Did you know that God gave dominion over the earth to you? So if he just goes and starts doing stuff in the earth, 
careful here. I realize I'm, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice here. But would he be meddling a little bit? Careful. Yeah, I know. God is sovereign and can do absolutely anything, and whatever he does would be perfect. Absolutely. Foundational, no question. So, But he honors his own word. Okay? He gave dominion. So he chooses to work on the earth through you. So the person I delegated responsibility for payroll to, if I say to them, oh, you need to give Jess a raise, well, then they go in and they, they give that increment in her payroll, and now Jess is happier <laughs> for about a month and a half. Anyway, <laughs> and so what you've got is you've got this idea that God knows what needs to happen, but in order to make it happen, what does he do? He speaks to you. This is pretty critical because you have to be listening. You have to be knowing what it is that he's speaking to you in this, in this intercession, this declaring his will into the earth. In fact, what we really want, you know, the Bible tells us, what tells us? The Bible tells us that sometimes we don't receive what we ask for because we ask Amiss, we ask incorrectly. It also tells us that if we ask, he will give us the desires of our heart. But I think we have to understand something up front, which is that he places those desires in our heart first so that as we're speaking out those desires of our heart, they're already his desires, and we're actually asking him to now work into the earth. And by the way, if, if my staff member, this, this theoretical staff member who's doing payroll... If they ask me if I can come and look at something and help them with it for a minute, I'm not sure how to do this deduction or that thing, and I happen to know that, I could come and help them, right? If they ask me to, I'm not meddling. I'm invited into that process. And our job as a people is to actually invite God into that process to do what it is that he wants done in the earth. It's very, very critical. Okay, so this is funny. Gaylene is busy texting me now. Instead of running up here and taking the mic, my iPad is, is popping up texts from my wife. Amos 6.3. You've got to do Amos 6.3. Okay. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. That is Amos 6.3. It's in the Bible. Okay, but by the way, that, that, that's a really great object lesson for what we're really talking about this morning, which actually is knowing the Word of God and having the Word of God engrafted in our hearts so that when somebody says something like I just did, you can have this, boom, this thing pop into your head about the yes, and I know that the Bible says something about that. And even if you're not great at knowing exactly where it is, there's Google. <laughs> You can find it and make sure you've got it correct and understood. Look it up. Read it in six different versions. You know what I mean? And so therefore, we can actually, because he's given us a desire and we're speaking out a desire that came from him in the first place, we can do it with authority. Remember my, 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 I've taught this a few times, you know, we can do it and speak it in Jesus' name. 
And you know what in Jesus' name means? It means because Jesus said so. It's not a tagline we throw on at the end of a prayer just before the amen. In Jesus' name, it, again, I'll, I'll, you know, I've, I've spoken this before, but I'll inflict it on you again because if Pastor Mark can do it, I can do it. Okay, so here we go. If one of my children comes to the other one as that when they were young and says, Dad says you need to go upstairs, that's go upstairs in Dad's name, right? And if Dad did not say, oh, now there's trouble, right? You've just misrepresented Dad. Uh, we're cutting that off. That's not happening. That's not allowed. So when we say in Jesus' name, when we pray, what we're really saying is by the authority of Jesus because this is what he wants, right? That's what it means. So I'm just going to challenge us a little bit to, to try and think that through. I still find myself saying in Jesus' name as a tagline sometimes without really thinking, is this what Jesus wants? Um, but but I'm, I'm getting better. Um, so... What about the prophetic then? Well, the prophetic is openly speaking or acting in accordance with what God is currently saying. It's also the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we talk about Jesus, that's using the spirit of prophecy. And the prophetic, as we're seeing it here, is that, is that uh, being in touch right now with what God is saying right now and being able to speak or act that out. So this morning, Cam was encouraging us to perform a prophetic act. Okay? Why? What's prophetic about it? It's not prophetic because we're foretelling the future. It's prophetic because we're doing what God is currently saying, and we don't necessarily know what he's going to do with it. Cam talked about the, you know, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud and put it on somebody's eyes. Yeah, because that's a good way to heal them. Of course, why didn't I think of that? Right? But it's actually because we're responding to the Spirit of God who actually knows that our obedience in and of itself brings something to the table. So, worship, intercession, the prophetic, they all require us, though, to know God, to respond to Him. And how can we test this stuff? Because if somebody starts saying prophetically, I'm speaking prophetically and I'm telling you that God is saying and then they say something that you think, I don't, I don't know, is God really saying that? Because this is a human being, this is a person who's got their own flaws, they've got their own stuff, they've got their own issues and sometimes the waters get a little muddied, okay? Sometimes, I mean, even, even Moses, the friend of God who saw him face to face, ended up smacking a rock when he was just supposed to talk to it. Sometimes a piece of us gets caught up in something that God was actually saying, but there's a piece of us that gets caught up in it too. So how do we test this? How do we know? And I will say this. We have to know God, and we have to know his word. And I have spent years trying to figure out ways to encourage myself and others to study the word of God without turning it into some exercise in discipline, without turning it into some religious observance for which I get brownie points because I read my Bible every day for three weeks. God must owe me something now. 
<laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> and yet, it is what you're doing if you feel guilty if you miss it. I missed a day. Oh, no. I guess I can't pray today. God won't hear me. We're busy earning his favor all the time here because that's what, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, lest anyone should boast. What does that mean? It means if you had to do it yourself, you could brag about it, and you would. But it means you can't brag about it because you didn't do it yourself. It was through grace. What is grace? The power and ability from God to do his will. That's the definition of grace. Therefore, grace is active and it causes us to be able to do things we're not otherwise able to do. So if I gave you the desire and I gave you the ability and then you did it, who's bragging? That would be me, not you. Right? So when God gives us the desire, he gives us the ability, he gives us the faith, and then we do it, we get to brag on him, not on us. Right? So... So we have to know God, but you know what? Knowing God is not the same thing as knowing about God. And once upon a time, I shared something here, but a lot of you are are newer, so I'm going to share it again. Years ago, uh, Gaylene and I were in kids' church, and we we did that for quite a number of years, and uh, and we were able to to do a full church service with a group of kids uh, through grades one through six, and we did that for almost a dozen years. And so... There are people in this room, actually, who, who probably had six years of kids' church with us. Yeah, there's Lindsay at the, and Raina at the back there, and, and there was another Lindsay, and uh, Gord, you were not in kids' church. <laughs> the pastor often asked if we would take you, but... <laughs> anyway, so one day in kids' church, I was actually teaching on this subject, about knowing God. And, um, and we did a little object lesson, which I had not set up beforehand. I think it occurred to me in the moment or something. I don't know. I went and got a box, just a cardboard box at the back, and I put uh, a, a couple of items in it, I think maybe three items. And then we had the, the whole, yeah, at that time, I think we had about 70 elementary school kids in kids' church. And so I took these things and I said, I... I'm going to give Gaylene a present. Oh, we sent Gaylene out of the room. And I said, I am going to give Gaylene a present. So I took these three items and I set them on a table. And I said, who thinks Gaylene will like this item the best? And it was, you know, I don't know, a teddy bear or something. And a certain number of hands and I kind of counted them. And then who thinks she'll like this one the best? And it was, you know, a, a, a vase maybe or something. And then who thinks she'll like this third one the best? And I counted And then I said, Curtis and Amanda, who were both in the class, uh, my son and my daughter, I said, what do you guys think mom will like the best? And they both instantly said, the box. They said, the box. The rest of the kids laughed. So then we said, we called Gaylene in, and she walks into the room, And she comes up to the front. She goes, oh, look at this box. And she picks it up. And everybody in the room is going, what? That's crazy. So the difference is some people know about Aileen. And they were trying to figure out what they knew about her. 
But some of them knew Gaylene. She's their mom, and she knew full well, they knew full well, oh, she's going to like the box. <laughs> that has not changed, just so you know. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, uh, we, we have to be careful not to accrete boxes in our home. Anyway. <laughs> Yay, Amazon, she says. Anyway. Um, now, that said... That said, far too often, we settle for experiential knowledge of God. And I, and I just have to say, uh, my upbringing involved a couple of different denominations along the way. I started Christian Reformed, uh, which is a Calvinist, uh, kind of a, a, much like Presbyterian would be. And, um, and, and it was very, very, very Bible-focused. We learned lots about Scripture and the Bible. And it was amazing for me as a child growing up in that. Uh, we read the Bible after every meal growing up. We, we read a chapter of the Bible as a family. And some of these things are just absolutely foundational, probably even in who I am today, uh, the, the things that, that came in. And then we went to another evangelical church after that, that, uh, again, a really strong discipleship focus. Uh, and so that was excellent as well. And then I've spent... You know, most of my adult life, now all of my adult life, in a, in a charismatic uh, setting. And the one thing I will say is that in a charismatic setting, we often uh, are willing to press into experience perhaps more than some of the other settings. But sometimes we do so without the same level of foundation. Okay? And I have to tell you that experiential knowledge, ex- your experience does not define who, God's I- who God is. Did you know that? Your experience does not define who God is because your experience has a perception in it, what you think is actually going on, and it has a very limited understanding of all the other things also going on at the same time. And so your experience, you know, you can come down to uh, testimony. Somebody gives a testimony of something God's done and we get all excited about it. And by the way, that's critical. Very important. In Revelation, it tells us they will overcome by the, wor- by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Okay? So you overcome by the word of your testimony. I'm not, I'm not in any way diminishing the importance of that, but I am saying that somebody's experience does not define who God is. It's like, well... You know, God answered their prayer, so I need to do the same thing they did to get my prayer answered. Or, you know, I read my Bible, but I didn't get anything out of it, so I quit. That's pretty common. Um, I prayed for healing, but I wasn't healed, so that doesn't work. That's what our experience might say in something. Or, other way around, you know, I prayed that God would help me find my keys, and I found them. So that works. I went to church and I got a warm feeling during worship, so I think I'm closer to God now. Could be. You know, a bunch of stuff in my life is really hard, so I don't know if this Christianity thing really works or if it's really, really real. That, those are hard, right? Those are hard things, but if we let our experience define for us the truth, I'm going to tell you, we're going to have a really crisis-oriented, back-and-forth, always-something-going-crazy-one-way-or-another kind of faith. 
rather than a recognition of the truth of who God is and what his word actually says, right? And I got to tell you how exciting that is because you want to know something else that's really, really hard for people who are only experienced uh, and, and, you know, people here tend to love the word, so I'm, I'm good with that. But if we're really experience-focused, here's, here's what happens. Did you know that during the test, the teacher is generally silent? Do you know that? Does that make sense to you? That, that, that would be your experience growing up, that during the test, the teacher is generally silent? Did you know that in our faith walk, the same thing often happens? That there, there are things that God does for our benefit because we're going to learn something from it and we're going to actually graduate into something. And we go, and, but yet we feel like he's distant in that moment. He actually isn't. He's just not being loud to us in that moment because he's wanting us to take a step inside of us for our purpose, for our growth. So clearly, we need to know the word of God. And really specifically, we need to know what the Bible says. But then, there are people who've read the whole Bible through lots of times. They may have even memorized significant portions of it. And we still don't really see them walking in love or in victory. So we say, what's that all about? Well, I can tell you this. If all we have is head knowledge, that's equally weak. You can go all experience or you can go all head knowledge. Either one is going to be weak in and of itself. Reading about driving. <laughs> is not going to make you a good driver. Right? And there are people who don't know that. Um, you'll, you'll find it with kids, actually. Uh, young kids who have read lots about driving, and then they've even seen it on TV quite a bit. So they're pretty sure they can do it. The reality is you do have to drive for a while. Now, if you haven't read about driving, you might not know the rules. You might not know that you need to put gas in the tank every now and again. Uh, you might not know, you know, what it means when you got that red circle with the cross through it or the one way pointing the other way or, you know, whatever it is. So there's, you got to know the rules when you're driving, but you do have to drive. I'm going to suggest that we need to read and hear the written word of God, but here's the cool part. When it gets into your spirit, do you know what it does? It changes you. Yes. It's the coolest thing. It actually changes you from the inside when you're not paying attention. <laughs> it, it does. You find out that the word is actually a seed. If we, if we look at First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 2.13, it says, uh, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Psalm 119 talks about that as well. You know, and I, the old, I have hidden the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against you. What? It's not, because I know the rules, I won't break them. Oh my goodness, if you know the rules, you'll break them. <laughs> Some of us are good at breaking rules, actually. <laughs> we sort of enjoy it. On a, <laughs> you know, uh, Knowing the rules is not going to help you keep them. Being changed internally is going to help you. Because you'll want to. That's the difference. 
your actual desires change, you'll do what you want to do and what you want to do will be appropriate as opposed to constantly fighting against what you want to do so that you can obey the rules. The word works in you. The word is a seed. It's an ongoing process. It starts small, okay? And seeds quite often aren't that impressive even. You know, you, you get this little, this little thing, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him won't die, won't perish, but will have everlasting life. Okay. That's cool. You know, that gets cooler and cooler the more you let that marinate. The more, the more you begin to understand God actually became a human being, gave up. Jesus gave up omnipresence, being everywhere at the same time. He gave up omniscience, knowing everything. He said there were things he didn't know. Okay? Only the Father knows, he said. He gave up so much. It, as you begin to sort of marinate on just a simple little scripture like that, you begin to start to understand more of who God is. And in that, it begins to change who you are. I mean, if God could give all that up because he loved sinners, sinners, what, where's my heart when somebody cuts me off in traffic? <laughs> you know, who, can I let this percolate in me? Can I let this change who I am? God's word, uh, seeds need to be planted, right? Right? They're sitting in a jar, not so much. But once they're planted in good soil and nourished uh, and tended, they will bear fruit. The Bible says it will lead us into all truth. That's cool, hey? Lead us into all truth. God's word is incredibly powerful. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And in verse 9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. His word is creative. In Romans 4, 17, it says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Okay, he, he speaks it into being. He can speak life into being. He can, Galen's big word right now. He can inspire life. Inspire is where you breathe into something. That's the root of the word inspire, is to breathe into something. So you inspire a balloon, actually, oddly enough. Okay? And so God, God's breath breathed into man's nostrils. That's inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Even the whole world was created with a word, so God's word is always relevant. I hear people talking about the church needs to be relevant, and I think to myself, well, if the church is concentrated on the word of God, this is not going to be a problem. In fact, we'll define relevance, quite frankly. When the word's been taken into your spirit, it's amazing what comes out and when. Uh, I had a a little situation this week uh, at the office where um, one of my staff came to me, and he was just... Uh, he, he and I have a, a really cool sort of a mentoring relationship where um, 
he, he just presented to me, he's a, he's a believer, and he presented to me this thing, and he just said, it just feels like there's so many weeds in my life right now. You know how with the sower, the weeds grow up, and, and it talks about the cares of this world that choke out something, right? And he just said, man, it just feels like there's so many, so many weeds right now. But immediately what dropped into my heart was, well, wait a minute. Are there other parables that use weeds? What about the one where at night the, the negative, the, you know, the, the evil neighbor, the enemy comes and sows weeds in the garden? What, did, what was the answer? Yeah, let them grow. We'll take care of it at the harvest. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. And so I was able to speak, you know, he's, he's bringing a scriptural thing in the, you know, the cares of the world, and I'm able to, to bring, okay, but let's look at this one. Maybe you don't have to care so much about those things. And right in the moment, you know, there's a scripture that comes. Can I give you the passage and the, and the no, I can't. Gillian has a talent with that. She can often tell me, well, that would be, you know, Mark 14, and blah, blah, blah. okay, great, I can go there. Um, no, I can't actually tell you what the address of that is but I know it's here, okay? And I know that when I need it, it's available. Um, Do you know that Jesus answered every temptation from Satan directly with Scripture? He just, he quoted Scripture. Satan tried it first. Satan tried to quote Scripture at him. So you also have to know it well enough to know that's out of context, that's not what that's talking about at all. That's a completely different thing. It's still true and valid. The, the, the scripture that Satan threw at him had to do with, you know, that God would protect him from any stumble and whatever all else. And, and, and you know, he wouldn't even let him stub, stub his toe in effect. And Jesus threw back, hey, you, we don't tempt God, you know. And, and he gave scripture for this all to say that that's true, but that's not relevant at the moment. And I do have to say, it's like anything else with a manual. You don't want to have to be looking it up at the time you need it. You know, in the middle of the service is not when Amanda wants to be going to the pro presenter manual to figure out how do I get that message up there on the screen? Like that would be really, really painful in the middle of the service, not to say it never happens. Okay. Um, you know, the, the soldier in the foxhole isn't pulling out the manual for the rifle. Okay, 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 okay. How do I, how do I change the clip once it's empty? You know, I'm sorry. This is not the time for that. You know, you need it now. It needs to be there already. You need to know it. It needs to be practiced. It needs to be part of you. You know, a soldier in a foxhole can actually field strip that gun in seconds. It's amazing. You watch them go, and you, you can't even follow what they're doing. They can't really follow what they're doing. It's so trained. It's, it's just instant. It just happens. Okay? It's like when you're driving, those of us who have driven for years and years and years and years, the reality is you're not thinking about it anymore. It just happens. It's part of who you are, except for Natalia, evidently. Anyway, okay. Second <laughs> Timothy 3, this is, this is where that inspired word comes into. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Listen to this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And this, this is really important. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
Now, most of us read that, you know, I've, I've grown up reading that in King James and New King James, and it's, you know, all scripture is given by inspiration and is therefore profitable for exhortation, for um, re- reproof, for, uh, yeah, it's all these big words. So I thought I would go with this one this time, but it's worth reading the other way too, um, just, to, just to really see that this is, you know, very clear. It, it, it actually, it, it corrects us. Um, I, I have some other other ones. I want to I, I want to kind of just read to you quickly, and then and then well, but before I do that, <laughs> evidently this was too long to text. Well, I was just thinking about it. I was like, how do you end a service like that? So we're not at the end, but um, I just had this inspiration. Um, like Jim said, I'm really into the word in, inspire. Because uh, I found this dictionary definition where the word um, wasn't trans, like some words are translated exact from what they meant to, from, you know, from the Latin and the Greek and everything. But inspire took on a new meaning, an additional meaning, but really it means to breathe into. And so I, I think of this all scripture was breathed into. I think of God breathed into man and and he became a living being, a living soul. And so right in the middle of your preaching, I'm going to do just this little exercise. Because I believe that uh, we don't want to make this necessarily a a discipline. We want to have a desire for the word of God. We want to love the word of God. We want to crave the word of God. And I just feel this on me so much right now that I want you to join me. And we are going to breathe in. And what we're going to breathe in is the spirit. Because if the spirit is not on the word, it's kind of just words, right? But the spirit has the ability to make the word of God come alive. So first, we're going to breathe out, <laughs> and I'll count it out, um, but what we're breathing out is any resistance to the Spirit and His desire for the Word. So let's breathe out. One, two, three. But now the Spirit is here, so let's receive the love of the Word and breathe it in. One, two, three. Maybe we should do it again. Let's breathe out any resistance. One, two, three. And breathe in a love of the word that only the Spirit of God can inspire. One, two, three. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And you know, the Bible even gives us some, some really practical techniques. Did you know that? If we, back in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9 says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, the, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Those commands were directly from God, scratched onto tablets of stone by his own finger, right? Repeat them. Here we go. Here's the practical. Got it? Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. 
Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Now, we don't generally do phylacteries here, but they did. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Did you know that bumper stickers are scriptural? Put a bumper sticker on, just understand what you're asking to be accountable to, though, okay? <laughs> Which you should be willing to be. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. There's a flourishing for you and your descendants that comes from just talking about the word of the Lord together. It's very practical. And Galen just, just walked us through the, the, you know, breathe out, breathe in. So I'm going to skip the next piece here, but because um, it was sort of there. Uh, in, in, in reading the Bible, do know everything is dependent on the heart and the attitude that you bring to it when, when you come in. And I, I would advise you, even if, if you're like me and you, you try and do it first thing in the morning when your eyes are still a little bleary and, and whatever... Before you start, you know, okay, I got to do this thing because it, okay, well, you know, it's still probably value at some level because the word of God just is so valuable that any of it rubs off is good, but it's not going to give you the full measure of it the way it would. If you can stop for a moment and say, Lord, inspire me with your word. Bring something into me with your word. And that way we're not looking for brownie points. We're actually working to be changed. And, and, and just knowing what it says isn't the whole point. You know, again, we're not, we're not going there to only gain an intellectual knowledge of the word because that's going to change us less. But if we ask for seeds to be planted in our hearts, Lord, could you plant something in me today? Something that wasn't there before, something that can be nourished and can grow and can turn into something that bears fruit in my life. That would be so exciting. In, in James chapter 1, and I, I think maybe I'll just finish with that. Yeah, okay. Um, James chapter 1, uh, a few verses here. He says, uh, starting in 19, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You got to drive. You got to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, then you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and it does set you free, it doesn't bring condemnation. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Hmm. So, I have to say this. In the Bible, it often talks about the milk of the word. And then, and then we hear this idea of we want to graduate from milk to meat. And people talk about the meat of the word of God. And personally... Remember that these are analogies anyway, so I have the right to interpret this one a little differently from my perspective. 
Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. The meat is in the doing, not the reading. The, the, the meat is the actual living it out part, not the taking it in part. The word is the milk. We do have to graduate from milk to meat, but you can't graduate to meat until you've been strengthened by the milk, right? Like if we think of it from a baby perspective, they can't eat meat at the beginning. They've got to get that milk going on in order to grow enough to be able to do the work, to do the meat. So here... I, I, I can't tell you that I know what God's going to do here at Spruce Grove Community Church. But I have a sense that he's doing some really deep, really important things. You know, if you're coming on Sunday mornings, you're coming last Sunday night was amazing. If you're coming on Wednesday nights, whatever, you're, you're, I think we're starting to get this sense that there's something pending, something about to be released, something... I'm convinced that we need to be prepared and discipled for that. You know, like we, we have got to be ready for what God is going to do here. And part of that readiness is building a foundation so we don't just get knocked over. It is so easy when God moves somewhere and does something to think that it's about us somehow. And, and to think that we're doing a good job somehow and that way we've earned something or other. And pride is the first thing that just is going to kill anything God wants to do because he, he, he won't continue to do it if it's just going to hurt us. And he wants to bring people here who need to be discipled, and we're going to have to figure out how to do it. And uh, this was really interesting because when I, I, Chris asked me if I would speak today, and then last week, uh, Chris came to me and he said, hey, listen, I... Um, I want to do. I want to get some some Bible teaching happening. I really want people to be excited about learning the Word of God, and and I'm wondering if you'd be willing to be involved in that uh, coming in this fall or whatever. And I said, I mean, "Isn't that funny? Because that's what I'm speaking on on Sunday uh, next week. Is is that very thing? Is is the Word of God getting the Word of God into our hearts? Loving the Word of God, letting the Word of God change who we fundamentally are, so that we can come into alignment with Him. And this is a discipleship that I want us to be able to walk others through, which means we have to, we have to get there. We have. And so I just want to encourage us all. There is no condemnation in this. There's no, I, I'm not going to try and talk you into anything. I'm not even going to give you an assignment coming out of this in any way other than to say, you know, uh, ask God. Let's just, let's just do it now. I, I mean, how many of you can agree with me? If you can, do. Lord, I ask right now, that you would put a desire for your word in our hearts, an ability to take it in, an ability to nourish it, to water it, to allow it to grow within us, to allow it to change us. Mm. And for you all, I pray as well that he would begin to bring scriptures that you've only heard even years ago to mind at just the right moments that you begin to get excited about the fact that wait a minute I think the Bible says something about that you know and then you can go you can go digging for it as I said Google has become my friend on that really well you know 
doesn't even remember what version I memorized it in because a lot of my memorization as a kid was King James Version and see all the old English, but I can still find it, you know? And that's exciting when God brings a scripture to mind right in the moment you need it. It's amazing, and it will change you. It will transform you. It'll become part of who you are. It'll set a foundation for you so that when something comes to rock you, you can stand. You can stand because you know what the Word of God says, and you know that in the end, your experience will line up with the truth even if you can't see it now. And, it, you know, Abraham was told he was going to have a son, and he had to wait, like, I don't know, 40, 60 years, maybe 80, before that promise came true. By that time, his wife was too old. She was 99. She's not having kids, right? Except she did. Um, but, I mean, you know, so sometimes, sometimes we can't see how it can happen. Uh, other things, you know, when God gives something that's a destiny, know that a destiny is greater than even one lifetime. Your children walk out your destiny too. So sometimes we don't see something in the moment, but we know that God's word is true. We know that he will do what he said. And so that we, we, can, we can just stand on that. We can hold on to that. We can know this to be the truth. And it's exciting. Uh, it, it is actually exciting. I love the word of God. It's a, it's a love that, that took years to build, clearly. I mean, you know, for a long time it was a discipline that my parents inflicted on me um, until it became, uh, it became as important as, as my food. Like, it, it, it's, it's that important. It, it, you know, if you, if you go a month without talking about the Word of God or reading the Word of God or... or Geez, how dry of a month would that be? That'd be like, you know, fasting water for a week. You can't do it. You shrivel. And so I actually pray that for you, that, that you would be actually unable to go without. <laughs> and, and you would just be so attracted to it that, that again, it wouldn't be a discipline and a, and, and a hardship. It would be a, a, a joy and a desire most of the time because we're human and sometimes things slip a little for a bit and that's okay because we're not earning anything out of this we're actually becoming something through this that we want to be and we're growing up so we can do the meat yeah Yeah. amen Uh, we pray a blessing over our church family those online those not here God we cover In Jesus' name, let this just sit uh, and let you stir our hearts, God.